All right, so we've been for several weeks talking about, probably a couple months now, talking about as we go, talking about the Great Commission, and, um, that as we go, we are to make disciples. And so, uh, Mike, for the last few weeks, has been talking about the power that we have to do that. Uh, as JJ would say, dynamite. <laughs> um, we've been talking about dynamus and the power that the Holy Spirit gives us and uh, it was just fitting to talk about one of my favorite places in scripture and I think how Paul in that scripture shows us a little bit of the how to so in the going as we go and in the making of disciples with the power that we have, the Holy Spirit is the, the how to. How do we move with that and in the culture that, we in, that we're in today that's at war? That's always in tension, always raging. It's like, how do we move in that? And that is only through unmerited favor unearned favor a free gift of grace so that's why I wanted to kind of tie together tonight was to talk about grace and the, the scripture verse I'm actually going to read to you tonight a little bit so I will need some notes which are my I like the version I've got my study Bible at home uh, which is NIV version but we're going to go to the letter of uh, Philemon which is right before Hebrews. And I'm going to read those verses here in a minute. But I wanted to start by reading one particular verse, verse 6. And then I want to talk a little bit more about the story that's going on as Paul writes this letter out. And then I want us to read the letter and think about God's grace. So verse 6 uh, and you're, this is why I love this verse, is because depending on your transla translation that you're reading, you're very likely going to see one particular word different. And it's the word koinonia in the original translation. You could see it as participation in your verse. You could see it as fellowship. You could see it as communication. Uh, you could see it as sharing. That one word means all of that. And I think... That's what resonates with me when I read this verse. And it spoke to me is that the action involved with the sharing, the participation of our faith. But as we think about, um, and I talked about this with a group Friday morning, we think about the Great Commission, and that commission, that anointing of being a disciple maker and saying, go and make disciples. The definition of disciple is to be a student, a learner. How do we make somebody learn from us? You know, Sean and Pop and myself and some others go to the workhouse on different days of the week and, and teach classes. But we can't really make those guys learn from us. We can't make those guys even show up in class. Any of you school teachers here, when you show up, you've got names on a roll. Um, in a certain way, they can make those kids show up in class, but not really. 
Uh, you certainly can't make them learn. But so, what is it about becoming a disciple maker? How do we make people become disciples? And I think it again, it's it's it has to be grace. It's the ingredient that sets our faith apart from all the other faiths. If you think about looking and defining God by his character as you know it, and you don't include grace, it just seems to be something missing with that picture to me. And so because that is the cornerstone, His grace, Memorial Day weekend, we think about the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice that was laid down, the blood that was shed to set us free. Memorial Day weekend starts with His grace. And then thousands of others. How many here know somebody personally um, that they've lost that fought for our freedom? Anybody here? That's my personal that's, that we've lost. So Memorial Day set aside to say thank you for that. For those that have laid down their life for, for our freedom, that fought, shed blood for that. Those that are still actively fighting for that freedom, that we can walk in here today in this place and freely share in fellowships. Amazing when you think about our globe and what's going on. So it's incredible but His grace. And verse 6 says, this is Paul to Philemon. I'll fill in a little bit of the blanks here in just a second. But Paul's letter to Philemon, he's saying, verse 6, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And when that verse resonated with me several years ago, um, the action involved in, in that was um, overwhelming. It's like, wow. The way I, I heard that was that for me to have a fuller and better understanding of Christ, that I need to activate and share my faith, that the reciprocation comes through me sharing the faith that God has opened my eyes to, the grace that He has extended me, that in sharing that, I should come to understand Him better. So it's had a special place in my heart for several years now. Um, so what the facts behind this blow me away as we just talk about for a second of, of putting this story together a little bit. So Philemon is a homeowner in Coloss, where the Church of Colossians, we're familiar with that letter, Church of Colossians meets in the home of Philemon. So if you've been around the refuge very long, that's, that's pretty cool. That's what our heart is, is, is that we would move and connect and fellowship and come to know one another attempt to like maybe the group that met at Philemon's place would know one another so Philemon had a son 
and one particular slave named Onesimus. And I think through this meeting and sharing at, at the church there at uh, Philemon's place that Onesimus, at least if not directly through Paul, at least indirectly through Philemon, must have tasted and experienced grace. I have nothing to prove that. There could be another piece of the story. We don't have all those details. But the fact of the matter, what we do know is that Onesimus fled from Coloss and he went to Rome. So I don't know how uh, great you folks did in school when you did geography, but I had to go to one of my other favorite parts of the Bible, maps, and take a quick look at Coloss and where that is in relationship to Rome. So Coloss would be where today Turkey is, in the midst of Turkey, and Rome is Rome over here in Italy in the boot. And by as the crow flies, that's about 1,200 miles. That blows me away. 1,200 miles. So Onesimus, who's a slave, escapes, leaves, flees, um, carries a couple of pockets full of assets from Philemon's place with him, whether that's coins or silverware or what, I don't know. But he fills his pockets up so he can have a little cash to get down the road, and he heads out. And there's no doubt he's probably heading out as fast and as furious as he can head out because the punishment for escaping is death. So he's definitely on the run. I don't know if he's on the run immediately searching for Paul, but Paul visited Colossus and Philemon uh, on his third journey. So think about Paul for a second. The third journey alone that Paul traveled was around 2,500 miles. <coughs> Paul did two journeys before that, plus when he's on, on his, what would be his fourth journey, but it was uh, do not pass go, head straight to jail um, on his fourth journey. Little shipwreck, another great adventure uh, on his way to jail. But he's, he's in jail. He's already visited Colossus, spent some time with the folks there also in Ephesus, you know, the letter of Ephesians. Uh, we think that he penned the letter to the Coloss church, Colossians. He penned the letter to the Ephesus church, Ephesians. And he penned this personal letter to Philemon, all in about the year 60. And he sent them, rolled them up, bundled them up, and sent them all back at the same time. I think that's pretty cool. But in his third journey, he traveled 2,500 miles around visiting cities, spending time with folks, and that took approximately four years. In the, in the three journeys together, he spent about 15 years on the road. That's crazy to think about. And this is a guy, Paul, if we remember, as Saul, his only mission in life at one point in time was to take out as many Christians as he could take out. So even then, as Mike asked a lot, it's like, like how did even Paul know who to thump on the head? Well, I think the folks that he was looking for carried themselves a little differently. 
because they had experienced what we're talking about. Grace. They moved with grace in the community. They shared grace. They were open to receiving grace. And so Paul was converted. And then he became one that moved and shared grace as he traveled. But just the third journey, 2,500 miles. I don't know how many miles. I'll have to go back and look that up. How many miles he journeyed over the course of his time in ministry, but it was a big number. So just in relation, in the spring I traveled out to Denver, it's about 1,200 miles. So think about leaving the day, being on the run, and heading 1,200 miles away. That's a long haul on the run. No Greyhound? No Greyhound. No Greyhound. Um, there's two, I forget, it's like the Aegean Sea and the Adriatic Sea. I mean, there's two huge bodies of water in the way. So we either had to hop a ship to get across those or go around to get the Rome. And he's headed out. So I don't know if he's headed out saying, you know, once he got to the border of Philos and he's looking back and he's saying, he's asking, have you seen Paul? I don't know if it went down that way. Maybe. Or if he's just running as long and as far as he can run and he's looking for a safe place. We do probably know he's looking for a safe place. So where do you think he probably ended up? With some Christians, right? He's looking for grace. Wherever I can find him. But he ends up in Rome. Talks to Paul. And he's staring freedom. True freedom. I mean, he's 1,200 miles away. <coughs> being away. And what's Paul asking to do is we'll find here in the letter to go back. What's the cost of going back? Death. Really, Paul? I'm 1,200 miles from home. I'm free. You're asking me to do what? Go where? And do what? No. No. No way. Actually, last weekend I traveled 1,200 miles. Uh, went to St. Augustine. Highly recommend that. Not over a weekend. I would uh, recommend you stretch that out a little more than uh, four days. That's 600 miles, 624 miles actually, each way. 1,200 miles. Ooh. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a trip. So when this has gone 1,200 miles, whether he's looking for Paul specifically, or if he just ended up connecting dots along the way. And they said, oh, by the way, the guy that came to the place you were staying several years ago, you remember the guy you were telling me you experienced grace? That guy, Paul, he's in prison right down the street here. Can you imagine that? So Onesimus ends up going and conversating with Paul. So join me, if you will, with whichever version you got. Actually, I'm going to switch over here to digital so I can see it a little better. I got perfect eyesight last year. We are going to read... 
this is going to be pretty cool when we finish tonight. Assuming we finish. You can say, man, the coolest thing happened. At church Sunday, we studied the whole book of the Bible. And the guy didn't even have notes. Isn't that cool? Has that ever been done before? Probably. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? We're in the book of Philemon, the letter of Philemon. That's right before Hebrews. We're going to pick up in verse 1. And just hang with me. I'm just going to read through the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, I'm actually, I'll switch over to that. Yeah. I'm in, I'm going to read out the NIV. Here we go. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to, and forgive me on pronunciation here, I'll butcher these, uh, Epipha, our sister, we think likely Philemon's wife, uh, Acrippus, our fellow soldier, we think likely their son, into the church that meets in your home. So the letter to Philemon, his wife, his son, likely, and the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in prayers because I hear about your love for all His holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man now and also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you. Interesting tidbit. Onesimus translates to useful. His name is useful. Um, Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him here with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him in as you would welcome me. Think about that for a second. 
if you could imagine experiencing Paul in person, the Paul of grace that we read about in all the writings of Paul, if you could experience that in person and have us a slave of yours be sent back to you and be asked to welcome him back as me, Paul. That blows me away. Just to try to get my arms around really what's going on here. Welcome him as you would welcome me. He's supposed to kill him. What about the other slaves that he has and his standing in the community if he doesn't uphold what the law is at that time? Puts him in a bind. Big time. Welcome him back as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. And so we find the gospel in this letter too. As Paul advocates for Onesimus for his life and says anything he owes reconcile it to my account call it even so Paul becomes the Christ figure in this letter it's awesome if he has done anything wrong or owes you anything charge it to me I Paul am writing this with my own hand I will pay it back not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristocrus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's just an incredible letter, I think. And what he asked is beyond my imagination, particularly when you settle into the details of this, of the position of Philemon, and what Paul's asking. And so I ask, how? How would you do that? How could he do that? How would Onesimus go back 1,200 miles with this letter hoping that it's enough? And oh, how I wish we knew the rest of the story. The book of Onesimus is the one I'm looking for. How'd this story end, you know? With grace, I think I know how it ended. Uh, but we don't have any written, written documentation of how it ended. Um, there are a lot of barriers, a lot of barriers in our culture today. Lots. Race is still a huge barrier in our culture today. Isn't that hard to believe? It's unbelievable. Race. Finances. 
addresses, places of work, places of education, education, no education. What's that? Yes. Uh, lots and lots and lots. So how are we to move and go and make disciples? Make people learn from us. Make them students in this world. How are we supposed to do that? Grace. Only by grace. Love them where they're at. We have to offer grace. I know if you love Jesus, you've experienced grace. I know that without asking the story. Whether you share the entire story, pieces of your story, hardly any of your story, but just interact with folks. If you lean on Him, grace will ooze out. And they will know you're one of His followers by the way you love one another. Which is the way He asked us to do it. But only with the Holy Spirit, the power, the dunamis to say, how? How do I travel 1,200 miles and face death with this letter? Only with grace. We have to rely on God's grace. We have to be a people of grace. And so I say all that to say it to me. As my wife listens and my daughter listens. You listening, Joseph? <laughs> As my son listens. I don't do it well at home as often as I need to. I try to do it in my strength. What I want. What I need to get done. My schedule, my way to do it. That doesn't teach. It doesn't teach. My words that roll, that hurt. I don't have to lay a hand on anybody. I can do a lot of damage with my tongue. And I've become more aware because I live with a bride that offers me buckets of grace. She moves with grace. And I learn. I become a disciple of grace. And so when I hurt with my tongue, I can see it now. And I can say I'm sorry. Forgiveness is when we're talking about grace. And when you want to dial down to how to, like how do I start? Let's start with forgiveness. That's how Jesus started. The most powerful weapon we have against this world of unforgivingness, if that's even a word, uh, is forgiveness with one another, brothers, sisters, spouses, 
ex-spouses, family members. ourselves is where it starts right so um, receiving grace first which is forgiving yourself if we can allow ourselves to receive grace his grace is enough I don't know where you've been what your travels are he's got enough I need you to uh, visualize here with me for one moment. Has anybody been to Niagara before? Niagara Falls? You've been? I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I haven't been, but I'm going at some point. What's that? I don't know if you'll make it or not. Maybe. Maybe that'll be the RV trip. That's a long way, though. Um, so Niagara. I want to go to Niagara Falls because I really had this settle on my heart that on this side of heaven, that's the closest manifestation we'll be able to find of seeing it physically God's grace. So how much do we each need to move in forgiveness? This is about, what is it, about 16 ounces? Roughly. 16 ounces. It's the living water. Grace. Just a swig. Take you miles, right? Just a swig. So, picture yourself. So, I need, I need you to go with me here. To Niagara Falls. At the base. At peak flow, you just need a swig. You got your 16-ounce bottle there. At peak flow, the water's coming over at 750,000 gallons every second. second. <laughs> 750,000 gallons a second. So I don't know how many of these in a gallon. Is that four? Four of these? Maybe more, eight. Wow. One gallon, so a gallon, five gallons, right? 750,000 gallons a second. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever is hindering you from moving in forgiveness, in grace, His grace is enough. You just need a swig. And picture yourself going to Niagara Falls just to get that one swig you need. You're going to step to the base of that falls, 750,000 gallons a second, and you're going to extend your cup or bottle to get what you need. How's that going to work out? <laughs> right? He's got enough. He's got enough that you're likely going to get pretty wet. <laughs> but just a swing changes the world. Just a swig. Just a swig. Just a swig. I love sharing that visualization of, of just trying to get, if we'll just go to the throne of grace, 
He's got enough to, uh, to carry us through. But think about that in forgiveness is forgiving yourself. Um, when we know we've offended is, a, is to be able to extend grace to those we've offended. Think about what that does. A little more challenging. What about those that have offended us? What if we move first in grace? Maybe not even face to face with that person, but what if you work with the God of grace and forgive that person for the offense they brought to you? Not waiting for the other person to bring it. Really, what I wanted to end with just those questions to think about how we do that in this world, how we make disciples, what the dunamis is meant to power us through, and what forgiveness does in this world. That's it. We're uh, Joey's gonna we're gonna worship together as we go. I hope that um, hope that all of them. Anybody you want to invite between now and when you get to eleven eighty four, that you guys will come and extend and continue fellowship. If you got other plans, I understand. We're not gonna do a, a head count or roll call once we get over there. Um, but really, sincerely, want to extend you to, to come. And fellowship, pick up your dinner, bring it along. We are going to worship. And we have the communion available up front. Encourage you to participate there. Maybe it's the first step in that forgiveness process. You can think about his body, his blood, his memorial day, setting us free and the grace that that represents. So, partake with that as we worship. I looked it up. Sean. He went nine months, 10,100 miles. Whoa. 10,900 miles. Nine months, 10,100. Okay. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs>